You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and I'm delighted to welcome back to the programme the brilliant Mike Stavrou from Metro Sport. How you doing, mate? Much better, mate. Much better <laughs> than I have been. Aren't we all? What a difference an Arsenal win makes, eh? Um, <laughs> let's kick off by wishing you all a Merry Christmas. Um, I hope you guys had a, a good one, and particularly those of you in London who uh, were struggling with the lockdown measures. I hope you guys made the best of it as well. Of course, to everybody else out there in the world as well. Um, but we know, obviously, living in London, that it's been particularly difficult uh, for people because of the restrictions put in place just a, what, a week or so before Christmas. So that would have thrown a lot of people's plans out of the window. Uh, but thankfully, Arsenal have delivered us a Boxing Day treat, a win over Frank Lampard's Chelsea, a side that many people have uh, dubbed as title contenders this year. I was never convinced they were necessarily, but it's still a huge, huge win for the Arsenal. We're going to discuss the win. We're going to be talking about some of the discussion points off of the back of that. We'll be taking your questions and live comments in the chat as well. Just a couple of bits of housekeeping before we get into it. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the like button on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. And if you're listening via the audio platforms, be sure to leave us a review. Uh, give Mike a follow on Twitter at Mike underscore Stavry. You can see it there on your screens for those of you watching us on YouTube and um yeah let's uh, let's get into it without further ado um mike is this now the kickstart to arsenal season that they've been waiting for for months is it that significant is this win going to be now the basis on which mikel arteta builds some improved form and arsenal start to build some momentum first of all harry let me just pinch myself really quick because we won a football game everyone take a deep breath I mean first of all the the absolute relief and um as as you said it comes a quite a difficult time London went into uh, into lockdown again for what feels like the millionth time uh spirits were, were a bit low anyway and when the Arsenal were playing so bad you sort of dread every game don't you I had a bit of sort of similar to um the final days of, of emery feel about it where i just was not enjoying watching the games the the results were terrible the players didn't really look like they were putting a shift in and you just never you, you just never thought oh yeah i can't wait to watch the arsenal today but today it was it was different um there was a spirit there there was an intensity and i'm sure we'll come into how bad chelsea were um to answer your question about whether it can be a turning point i think it should be but um, in reality, it's going to be a much difficult thing to implement because, you know, they're deep-rooted issues um, within the squads, within the club. Um, and we all know that there, there, there are issues with the manager that, that we've discussed uh, due to his inexperience, due to his stubbornness uh, with tactics. So um, should it be a turning point? It should. Will it be? I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I still think that 
Um, we have some must-win games coming up, even though we've just beaten Chelsea in the next two, Brighton, West Brom. Must-win games, regardless, because you look at where we are on the table. Um, but overall, an overriding feeling of relief at just seeing us play some some decent football, regardless of, of, of how bad Chelsea were. Yeah, I, I don't really want to focus too much on, on how bad Chelsea were, because I did think that they weren't very good. But I thought that was partly because or largely because of the way Arsenal started the game. I thought there was a real confidence in the way Arsenal started the game. There was an intensity that's been lacking. There was a press um, that has been missing for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, there is um, th- there are a lot of factors. There's not for a second saying that they were Chelsea were good because they weren't. I think we all agree that they weren't. But, I mean, from my perspective, you know, when, when I saw the team sheet, and we saw that there were, obviously, Gabriel was missing out, um, yeah. arguably our best central defender this season so far. He was out because of, obviously, uh, being around somebody who tested positive for COVID. David Lewis was unwell, left out of the squad. Uh, Willian, unwell, left out of the squad, apparently. You know, and Willian and Lewis in particular are two of the players, Mike, that we've heard a lot of rumbles about lately as being players that have been not necessarily happy with Mikel Arteta, not necessarily happy with the job he's been doing. Do you think that their absence today from the squad completely worked in our favour in terms of the spirit within the group and the kind of focus within the group? And and by not having the distraction of two players who we are led to believe are not necessarily 100% on board with Mikel right now, do you think that benefited us? Yeah, I mean, if that if that all is true, then massively um you know there was even there was even similar rumbles that sort of been uh, in david louise's uh, career at chelsea where you know if he wasn't happy he definitely made himself uh, you know he made everyone know it and we were seeing sort of similar signs here if if uh, certain reports were, be, were to be believed one thing of course it did force him to do was actually play some youngsters for once um you know emil smith rowe got a chance i think he was excellent gary neville mentioned it in in the commentary for sky but uh, you know, he was playing against one of the best defensive midfielders in world football in Angolo Conte, and he held his own, which for a, for a 20 year old is just incredible. Um, I thought, uh, especially what he offered, what Martinelli offered, what Saka offered, um, not only on the ball, was off the ball, like the, the pressing and intensity, because you saw it was a 4 2 3 1 today, and you saw those front four players. Um, all pressing an individual player in Chelsea's back line, which meant they had absolutely no way out. Um, and that was brilliant to see because so often we've just been, you know, completely disinterested in, in, in pressing. And, and in reality, you know, regardless of tactics, regardless of formation, system, when you have that desire to go and win the ball back, that's that's what's going to win you games a lot of the time. And the, the turnovers were all ours. Um, and the only test for me, Harry, really is now is if he reverts to type and when those players are back, he goes and puts the Williams and Dava Luiz's back in. Because for me, the way that, that the youngsters played tonight, especially Smith, Rowe and, uh, and Martini, they deserve to play. They deserve to keep their place until they give us a reason why they shouldn't be playing. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought what they gave us was the ability to, as you said, to press people, to hunt people down in key areas. And if you look at a lot of the chances that Arsenal had this evening, um, you know, there was that one earlier on, wasn't there, where the ball came across the Smith Road, probably should have done a bit better um, 
just outside the six-yard box. And that came from Arsenal pressing high up the pitch. You know, the, the one that Lacazette uh, missed from from Mendy, where he gave the ball straight to him. Again, that came off the back yeah. of Arsenal pressuring people in the final third. And Arsenal had an energy and intensity and a pace to their game that has been missing for a while now. And I don't think it was any coincidence that all of a sudden this young blood comes in, the Martinelli's, the... That, well, Saka's been playing anyway, but people like Emil Smith-Rowe as well, who all sort of embody that and Arsenal managed to put in a much stronger performance. I don't think it was any coincidence. I, I do feel like Mikel Arteta was probably forced into doing some of that this stuff today. Yeah. And it probably, you know, yes, it's paid off and he's going to get credit for it and he should. But, you know... Let's yeah, as much as we can talk about the players that were missing. Let's not forget that he, he didn't really have to start a Mill Smith Row, did he? But he still no. took a brave decision to do that. You know, it would have been easier to to pick Willock ahead of him, um, given sort of the the difference in the amount of game time the the two have had. But he went with Smith Row, and I thought that Smith Row gave us something that Arsenal have been missing, um, and that is that little bit of creativity, that little bit of guile in that final third but also the kind of work rate that someone like Ozil, for example, isn't going to give you. And yeah. you know, if, if he can stay fit, that that will be key, I think. I was a little bit surprised to see him go with um, Elneny and Xhaka in the middle of the park. I, I didn't think Granit Xhaka had been playing well um, prior to his suspension. I thought he was going for a bit of a difficult patch. I know in the eyes of some Arsenal fans, he's, he's been going for a difficult patch since he joined the club, but um, I thought he was having a particularly bad period, but he really stepped up today. I thought he was excellent. Um, the free kick was outstanding. And I just want to give a big shout out to Dan from the same old Arsenal podcast, because we did a secret Santa earlier in the week and Dan bought me this. Now, if you haven't seen the same old Arsenal, Dan bought me a Granite Xhaka figurine because he always takes the piss out of me because I back Granite Xhaka. And Granite, <laughs> and, and today, when I was Fantastic. working on the game, I put this in front of my TV screen. It's no word of a lie. And bang, Granite Xhaka <laughs> pulls out an absolute worldy ever free kick. So, Dan, you are the man. You have delivered Granite Xhaka. I mean, Mike, he, he was brilliant today, wasn't he? Unreal. Unreal, everything. You know, there was one uh, early tackle in the first half and, you know, you thought, oh, here, here we go. Is it going to be this sort of Xhaka that we're getting today? But actually it wasn't because um, he's, his passing was top-notch. I mean, his pass uh, for, for in the lead-up to the penalty um, out to out to Tierney was unreal. Like, the, the fade on it and the way it just he just, like, hit it with the side of his foot and it just, like, you know, curled in Tierney's path was was ridiculous and we all know that he can do it. And the, the only real question with Xhaka is, you know, can he keep his cool? Um, and today he just did because there was another incident where that just showed you the, the confidence that he had from, from a good game was when he chested it back to, to Leno from, a, from a Chelsea cross, you know, and really you're thinking, get rid of it. But he was so cool, so collected today. And it just, it just sort of, it was, it was an easy performance for him. Because he just sort of looked, you know, the, the the figure that we all want him to be, and we know he can be. Um, but I was I was happy for him because he's, as you said, you know, I've I've personally been quite critical of him, and we've butted heads together, us two, uh, about about Jack and what does he add to the team, and you know, loses his head, is he a liability, you know, all the things that get labelled to him. But the one thing that you have to say about Jacka Harry is he never ever shirks, um, you know, res responsibility. 
sometimes he does in terms of you know the, the red cards and you have to say you know you, you lost your head there but in terms of a player that 100% gives everything every game that's that, that that's that's one of the ones this season him and Tierney I think him Tierney and Saka are the ones that you could say they've left absolutely nothing out there they've given everything they can and they should hold their heads up high and um today he got the he, he got the just uh, rewards because he put in a great display not only was he great passing but um, he intercepted everything. He was, he was, you know, winning every 50-50 in the air. He was good, putting himself about interceptions. I, I don't have a bad word to say about him. And it says a lot because he's a player that gets, I think, for sure, some unjust criticism. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, guys, just a quick reminder, if you're watching us live at the moment, I can see there's over 200 of you currently with us across the multiple platforms. If you haven't hit that like button on the video, please do so. We've only got 22 likes on YouTube so far. As you know, as I always say, the likes really, really help push the video up the rankings. So if you haven't done that already, please do smash that like button and subscribe to the channel, of course, if you are new. Let's have a look at what some of you guys are saying in live comments before we continue uh, our discussion. Uh, just going back to that point about Louise and Willian. Uh, JS says, get rid of Louise and Willian. Um, there seems to be a, a general feeling that they are uh, causing issues behind the scenes. Um, more so in Willian's case, his performances have been bad as well, which makes that even worse, doesn't it? It amplifies the fact that um, as a sign-in, it's not looking like a great piece of business at the moment. Uh, let's see what uh, everybody else is saying. Omar, I guess, is a little bit more um, calm and calculated after that one. He says one game and we're still only 14th. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Arsenal Granny says, hope you're feeling better. Harry Winhelps, I'm sure. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone, actually, because I've had loads of tweets and loads of uh, comments on the videos and messages um, for people wishing me well, because obviously, as you know, um, I was struck down with COVID. Um, really proud of myself, actually, that I got through the commentary tonight without coughing. Um, so yeah, uh, that was a that was a good sign as always. But thank you, of course, for your kind messages. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Mister Someone Gamer says the difference Martinelli and Smith Rowe make. Yeah, I thought the pair were excellent. Um, what else have we got? Um, Tulip says brilliant performance. Kieran and Martinelli, what a combo! Saka was brilliant on the right. Bellerin and Xhaka played good. Credit to them. Front four was energetic and full of intent. Um, Mike, let's touch on Hector Bellerin's performance because I thought that he was very good today as well. And, and he's another player, isn't he, who's taken pelters from sections of the fan base. He's been frustrating people with some of his performances. And then you've had the whole thing with foul throws, which in my opinion has wound up this fan base way more than it should have done. Um, but it has been a, an issue and people have thrown a lot of abuse at Hector Bellerin of late. How impressed were you with his display tonight? Yeah, he was great. Great, great performance. Um, I, I'm, I always think he has that sort of performance in him. I think in, in, in the bigger games, he, he tends to step up a little, a little bit more. Of course, Bellerin, he's one of them players where we know he's, he's deficiencies. He's not the best one-on-one -on -one defender. Um, you know, he has concentration lapses. But again, I think he's another one where he he gives his all. And he captained the team tonight, put in a good performance. Um, I don't have worries about him. Do I think he's the future of, of Arsenal? I mean, probably not. I think if we want to move forward and if we want to become, you know, a Champions League club again, 
personally, I think Maitland-Niles has a bit more to offer because he's a bit more versatile, can play right back, but can play left back, can play in central midfield as well. Um, and I think if we're a bit realistic now, we're looking towards you know the, the, the rebuild that this club uh, are going to have to go into. Um, and you're looking at players that we want to get rid of, which for me, there's quite a lot. But we have to be realistic in the sense that they're only going to play sell players that they can actually you know get money for. There's plenty that would just go for absolutely nothing now. So maybe for me, Bellerin is one of them ones where if the opportunity comes along again, you would say maybe you would you would cash in now. But I'm not one of these people that overly criticise him. As I said, I think he has flaws, but I think he's he's, he's decent going forward, and he, he showed it tonight. Yeah, certainly did. Um, Alfred says, why was Bellerin given the armband ahead of Lacazette? He had a good game today, but he only seems to turn up against Chelsea. I, I was surprised to see Bellerin given the armband, actually, because, um, you know, you mentioned Lacazette there, but Granit Xhaka is someone who's been given the armband as well, hasn't he, under under Mikel Arteta and under various other managers as well. So, yeah, Mikel certainly had options today, but he he, he went with Bellerin and I thought... As Mike said, that he stepped up to the plate tonight and he he delivered a really good, impressive performance. So I don't think we should um, necessarily question that decision in hindsight because it proved to be, uh, I think, the right one. Uh, Alex McCarthy says, sorry to say, but one good performance from certain players shouldn't take away from the 10 plus poor performances that most of these players have. Yeah, I, I look, I, I agree with that. And I think that we have been so bad this season that it is obviously it would be naive to get carried away and to to start you know jumping up and down at the fact that obviously we we managed to get a win against Chelsea but let's not underestimate the significance of getting a result like that when your confidence is on the floor and it the confidence of this Arsenal side for a while now has been in the gutter it's been it's been terrible um you know it's felt like everything's gone against us I, I thought we it did enjoy some fortuitous moments tonight, maybe. Um, Bukayo Saka's goal. Uh, I'm not, I mean, Mike, I don't know what your take is on that, but I'm I'm almost certain that he was trying to stand it up at the far post for uh, for Gabriel Martinelli. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was a fluke. I'll, I'll be honest, I think a lot of people disagree with me. I don't think um, that the Tierney Reese James uh, foul, foul was a penalty. What? Think, yeah. What? I, you know, do you know why? Do you know why? Because the first initial um, part of it, obviously he skinned him, but I think he's already on his way down when when James actually makes the contact. I think if you if if you look at it, he's almost like falling over already. So if you if you think about it, I mean technically because he has clipped him on the way down, you you have to give a penalty. But for me, I, I still think it's simulation in a sense because. He's actually started to dive before this before there's any contact. So it's one of them ones where I can understand it, and it's probably good play by Tierney. But I think it was a little bit soft. I can understand what he's given it, but I thought it was a little bit soft for me. Wow. I, I see. I thought it was a stonewall penalty, um, mm. and I thought it was a stonewall penalty because I think that as the attacker, the minute you get your body in front of the defender like that the minute he checks inside him and the minute he gets his body in the way for me any form of contact there means it's a penalty no matter how significant no matter how insignificant I think we can all agree that the contact wasn't major contact and it probably you know if, if Kirantini had gone down like that in a sh- in a in a street fight then I think 
you know people will be raising their eyebrows but you know for me it's um it's definitely a penalty the contacts there and as i said the but do you not think he's already going down and he sort of kicks his leg his leg back doesn't he so to, to initiate do you not think he's already going down by the time the contact there possibly but i think he's kind of i think he's anticipating the contact more than anything mm. and, and and i feel like we've we've seen so know. many soft penalties given against us yeah look, i'm not similar yeah. i'm not unhappy i'm i'm just saying in my honest opinion I, I would be cheese off it if, if that was given against us personally. But, yeah, but you know, that, I think, that's a completely different thing. <laughs> no, no, as you say, as as you say, Harry, we created our own luck tonight, and the fact that Tinny got himself in that position where he skinned James is is, is good in itself. Um, you know, we as as I said, Chelsea were poor on, on the ball. I thought that they actually looked a bit like us. Um, uh, not not in recent games, but at the beginning of the season where they didn't really have a game plan. There was no approach. They didn't really know what they were doing. And in the end, they just ended up hoofing about 50 crosses in. And um, I think their first or second shot on target, they scored. So, um, yeah, they were poor. But again, as, as I said, we created our own chances. Um, Saka was brilliant. Again, I mean, the guy can play in any position that, that he wants. He's played at left back, left wing, right wing, centre mids. The guy is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And people still forget that he's so young still. He's, he's 19, I think, isn't he? 19 or even 20. But yeah, I mean, our youngsters are definitely the uh, the, the takeaway from tonight, Harry. But as people are saying in, in, in the comments, and they're completely right, we need consistency now. Um, I want to see us keep up that intensity. Will they be able to get up for, for a game like Brighton and West Brom? I hope so. I hope so. But we'll have to see. How concerned were you when Chelsea were awarded a penalty at 3-1? Oh. <laughs> I was shitting myself, man. I mean, it's... I was shitting myself. It's just a, a kind of... It's, it's just a kind of a sign of where we've been out of late, wasn't it? That at that point, even up. with such little time to go, yeah. you still worried that there was a chance of an Arsenal But do you know collapse. why? It's because, it's, it's because you saw us revert to tight. We started the game for the first 60, 70, 80 minutes of the game. We would we would look like, a, you know, a semblance of our old selves, confident, you know, had a plan. But as soon as that first goal went in, you saw the player's head drop. Mary made that ridiculous, you know, error to, to give away the penalty. And, you know, you were thinking, bloody hell, like, if they score the second goal here, then we're going to draw this game. And I, I, was, I, I was thinking that. And actually, if Chelsea had a few more minutes after that, I think it could it, it could have maybe turned, but luckily, you know, it didn't. But it just showed you how low in confidence we are because it, all it took was for them to score one goal and then create one dangerous chance for our, our heads to go. So I think, again, in terms of going forward, that tells you where we are, but that tells you how far and how long it's going to take until we get back to, you know, being, being a good team again. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a brilliant save from Bernleno down to his left-hand side. He got really good left hand to it um and I, I was i was absolutely thrilled when he made that stop not just because of the context of the game but i've watched Jorginho take that same penalty so yeah, many again, times again. that with that step that the run up and the stutter and the little jump and every goalkeeper seems to fall for it so it was nice to know that i, I mean i mean i know we all expect it from Jorginho now but it was good to see that leno had done his homework that leno had done his research and he was aware of what Jorginho was going to try. And um, he didn't fall for it. He didn't get sold the dummy. And I thought it was a really good stop at a really key time for Arsenal. And like you said, th there wasn't a great deal of time remaining. But 
at that point. Um, you know, given, as I said earlier on, where the confidence is in this team at the moment and the nerves that would have started to kick in when when Chelsea managed to get their f- their first goal or their only goal um, through Tammy Abraham, it was important that, that Bern Leno kept that out and maintained the level of confidence within the side uh, about getting that result. Um, just a quick reminder for those of you in the live chat box, if you have not, make sure you hit that like button on the video. Let's have a quick look at how many of those we've got. We've got over 300 of you watching us now, uh, but we've only got 64 likes. So guys, let's get that up to 100 at minimum. Come on. Um, It doesn't cost a thing. It's very quick and very easy to do. If you fancy firing us over a super chat, feel free to do so. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening via the audio, uh, make sure you leave us a review as well. Now's the part in that in the show where we want to get your questions. So make sure that you fire those into the chat box now. Um, some of you have asked how you can get onto the show. This is not one of our phone-in shows. I probably should have made that clear, but I didn't put it in the title, so I figured that was clear. But um, apologies if, if, if you've got your wires crossed. Um, I didn't know if many people would want to jump on a phone-in show because it's Boxing Day. And I know a lot of people spend the time with their family and their friends. And um, so, yeah, uh, but we will bring you a phone-in show during the week, maybe after uh, the game against Brighton on Tuesday, uh, which is just around the corner. But get your questions in the chat and we're going to come to some of those now um, and have a little chat about what you guys are saying. Uh, Let's pick out some of the comments, Mike, while we wait for some more uh, to come in. Uh, uh, Paratosh says, how good was Lacazette? Um, what did you make of Lacazette's display? I didn't think it was his best display, but I thought he did his job very well. Obviously stepped up to take the penalty, um, which would have been a penalty that, that, you know, would have had a lot of nerves attached to it, given Arsenal's recent form and, and given the significance of taking the lead. Yeah. Fair play, fair play for stepping up, um, and uh, obviously, he's you know one of one of Arteta's flavors at the, at the moment, flavors of the month because he's been he's been playing when when others haven't been. Um, I think he likes a lot of Lacazette's qualities. Obviously, got the goal again uh, in in the last game, um, and and yeah, scored again today. But Harry, I think what he did well was was occupy space, and I'm not trying to say that in a in a in a derogatory way. But what he did was hold up the ball and allow the other players to to. To, you know, play essentially, and that's what that's what we need from a number nine. Um, I thought he battled well, but you know, it was really tough because you, you're up against Thiago Silva, who's a veteran, um, and Zuma, who's playing out of his skin. I mean, I think Zuma won every single header in in the air today, which is unreal, absolute beast. So he had he had a tough old time of it, but I thought he he fared well. He, his link up play was good again. I think that's getting better. I think he's a he's a player that's getting his confidence back, and that's that's good to see because we we need him. We're so desperately light on um on strikers. I saw you tweet the other day actually um, about um, when Cavani scored for United. You said you know United have got Cavani, uh, we've got Enketia, and people were getting mad at you because they thought you were slamming Enketia. But what uh, you meant, mad, I think, absolute madness. What you meant was that it just shows that the squad depth we've got. We've got Lacazette, and then we've got a youngster who's unproven waiting in the wings. And our third striker is Falaran Balogun, who has not signed a long-term contract and is also a youngster. It shows you we're lacking. Aubameyang, again, he's proven he can't play up front. We knew that already. We didn't need to see it again, but apparently some people did. Um, so we need him. We need we, we need Lacazette. And um, 
again, I think he's one of those players, and it completely contradicts what I've just said. That's that that's um, that's expendable in, in the next transfer window because he, he's a player that could potentially bring in some money. And in, in reality, again, if we look at where we want to be moving forward, it's another position where we need we need an upgrade. Th- those positions is where you need the top class players that make a difference. I look at Spurs this season. And the reason that they've been outperforming their XG so much is because they've got Harry Kane and Son who don't miss. Yeah. And you know that's what we need. We need an elite striker that we've that that we've not had. I know we've just given our main striker in Aubameyang, or you know main striker, um, and massive new contract. But the, the the fact is the the reason that we sort of scraped by last season is because Aubameyang was so clinical. Now we haven't had that. There's a, there's a big hole. Um, but you know, we have to talk about Martinelli at, at that some stage, Harry, because yeah. you know the guy. The guy's come back from a serious knee injury. It doesn't look like it. I mean, he he looks just as good as he was before he got he, he got the injury. The guy is ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Yeah, he, he was phenomenal again, and we'll come on to talk about him in just a second. But just going back to that point you made about the tweet that I put out earlier in the week. That's you have you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I meant. The fact that no matter how much you want Arsenal youngsters to succeed, no matter how much you like Eddie and Kethier and think that the current predicament that we find ourselves in as a football club is not his fault, I'm not for a second saying that it is his fault. The fact that Manchester United can call on Edinson Cavani, a seasoned, incredible striker who's been at the top of the European game for years and years and years, and we call on Eddie and Kethier, shows you that in terms of attacking options, we are worlds apart. And that was all the point was that I was making. You wouldn't back Eddie yeah. and Ketia to come on at Goodison Park in a semi-final uh, and win you the no. game with 10 minutes to go. But, Ed- but Edinson Cavani can do that. And that was the point I was making. And you're right. There were a few people that for some reason got ridiculously triggered about it on social media and, and decided to get uh, a little bit irate, even to the point where I was receiving DMs from one in particular um, when I'd said, like, yeah, just have a nice Christmas. But anyway. Um, out him, Harry. Out him. Oh, no, there's no need. They don't deserve the airtime. <laughs> um, but yeah, going going back to Gabriel Martinelli, you're absolutely right. And there, there was a concern, certainly on my part, about him coming back the way he has come back in the sense of being kind of relied upon at a time where Arsenal was struggling as a team. And there has been this emphasis on what an impact he's going to have. And I was always in the back of my head saying, this guy's 18, 19 years old. He's been out with a serious injury. And it was, you know, it was always going to be a lot to ask. But his energy, his enthusiasm, it's just feeding through to everybody else. And it's been a a real breath of fresh air. And I was glad to see him come off when he did today, actually, because uh, he needed the rest as well. Um, Nicolas Pepe came on and, 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 you know, worked pretty hard. There's a few people that I've spoken to since the game who said to me that we kind of lost control of it when... When he came on, I thought that was harsh. It wasn't Nicolas Pepe's fault that we lost control defensively, I don't think. Anyway, um, let's come on to some of the questions in the live chat because there are a fair few coming through at the moment. Uh, This one comes from Mohamed Beg, and I'll put this to you, uh, Mike. Realistically, who could we sign in January and who would you like to see come in? That's a a tough question. Not an easy question. Um, That's a tough question. Realistically... I don't know that that's hard because you'd say 
you know, putting the, the dots together, someone we've shown interest in is uh, is Emi Buendia of, uh, of Norwich City, but he's banging it in the championship. And you have to think that they're not going to want to let him go for anything, you know, less than extortionate. So, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're being linked with, with everyone at the moment, aren't we? You know, it's, it's, it's a January window. Who I'd like to see, though, um, obviously someone like, like Alwa, I think you know he's a player that that we targeted, uh, that we wanted, that that could fill a void, that could potentially see us go back to um, a four-three-three formation. Someone like Kim, I think someone you know a, a creative player, um, and that's gonna you know someone who can who can take the pressure off Smith Rowe, uh, so that he's you know the fans are not begging for him to play and save our season. I think someone like that, but. It's, it's January. It's it, it's going to be hard, but I do think the noises that are coming out, I think we can expect to see a few comings and goings. To be honest, yeah, I think that there will be um, some some incomings. I think there will probably be some departures as well. Particularly when you look at some of those players whose contracts are due to expire at the end of the season, maybe we'll see some of their departures accelerated. I think. Uh, it's been pretty clear that the club may have accelerated some of their summer transfer plans uh, off the back of Arsenal's dreadful start to the season up until now. So um, it's going to be an interesting transfer window for sure. And of course, it's just four or five days away. And, and here on the Chronicles of Aguna, we're going to be bringing you daily updates as we did during the summer window as well. Um, so I look forward to joining you guys for that as well. Um, in terms of who I would like to see come in, I think we do need another creative player. Um, who it's going to be, though, I don't know. My understanding is that the interest in a while's called a little bit. Um, uh, with Buendia, I still think if Arsenal really want him, they can make Norwich sell him. Um, you know, they're a club big enough and powerful enough, you'd think, to do that. But whether Buendia is someone that Mikel Arteta sees as the right man going forward or, you know, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure about that. I've never been that enthused by the idea of Buendia. I accept that he's having a wonderful season so far, but I'm still a little bit on the fence about him. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But I do think Arsenal will make moves in this transfer window um, and, and fingers crossed we can get the kind of moves in We'll get the kind of players in that will help us uh, use this result as well to start uh, to kickstart our season. And I know we've got Brighton coming up, and then we've got West Brom. I'd love to see us shut Sam Allardyce up. Oh, oh man, that's absolute nonsense about our football club in the last few days. Talking about us as relegation contenders, I never in my life have I wanted to see West Brom go down more than I do now. <laughs> uh, John P says, "How are we going to keep this team spirit we had today?" with all the factions and the size of the squad, are we going to have to pay people off? I think when you talk about the factions within the team, I think that there were always going to be factions because Mikel was coming in to do a rebuild. And, and, and that's the reality of it, isn't it? There's been players at this club that have stunk this club out for years that Mikel will be actively trying to move out the door. And <laughs> if they're not playing, well, yeah. If, if those players are not playing, they're not going to be happy and that's going to cause divides. Having said that, I, I don't think that there's a completely 100% happy dressing room at any football club at the moment because what footballer would be happy not playing? So everywhere you yeah. get these divides, you get players being upset. It's whether you let those 
create the kind of environment that that does damage to the side or not. And I think that Mikel's probably struggled with that a little bit. Um, And and I put that down to largely to inexperience. But I do think as you start to see some of these players move on, some of these players' contract expire, that there'll be less of that and it will be less of a problem. I don't know if you agree, Mike. I wanted to ask you about Willian, uh, Harry, because I think he, in a sense, um, resembles the sort of deals that we shouldn't be doing. As, as a club moving forward. And it's worrying that, you know, Edu's come in, he's, he's you know, leading up the deals with Arteta. It's worrying, really, that Arteta would look at Willian and say he's the guy. And I know that, you know, he wasn't probably meant to be a starter and he would have preferred to play Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, and he'd be, you know, a squad player here and there. But it's not worked out like that. He's played him a lot. He, he obviously, you know, has massive faith in him. And to say he's not delivered is an understatement. He's been shambolic, plainly shambolic. So, you know, there's players that we, that we clearly want to get rid of, that we've either tried to get rid of, haven't been able to, you know, we can reel off about 10. Uh, Socrates, Mustafi, um, you know, David Luiz leading at, leading at the end of the season. Oza was going to go. Uh, all, all these players that we've got too many of, even players like on the fringes that might leave, like, um, I don't know, Callum Chambers who um, obviously has been injured, but he might be one that's let go because we've got 100 centre-backs. Uh, so Gradius is going to go. So all, all these players that we know, but obviously Willian's got a three, three-year contract. So is he just going to be sitting there? Is he going to actually decide to start playing at some point? This is, this is the things that we need to question now because our recruitment has been so poor. Um, obviously, Gabriel and Thomas Party signings were good, but overall, you'd say there's been some questionable ones. Yeah, there has. And, and and just touching on Willian, I think look, when, when we signed him, those of you who were listening to the podcast will remember me saying that if Willian was going to come in to provide some experienced cover to our front line, I was OK with that. What I didn't envisage happening was Willian starting every single week um, or starting as often as he has. And you're right, he hasn't delivered and I don't think he will deliver uh, regularly enough in an Arsenal shirt moving forward. The issue here is that, you know, when you're doing business in football, when you're making transfers and you're making signings, some work, some don't. That's That's the reality of it. For all the wonderful players that Arsene Wenger brought to the club over the years, he brought a lot of shit ones in as well. Um, you know, and, and every manager has made mistakes. Sir Alex Ferguson brought in people like Eric Jemba Jemba and Massimo Taibi and clowns and donkeys like that. So you will make mistakes in the transfer market. What Mikel has to do, though, is if he realises he's made a mistake, he has to just accept it, take it on the chin mm-hmm. and not persist with people that aren't good enough because you've got this kind of sense of pride or this feeling that you have to because you're the one that signed them, because you're the one that brought them to the club or or was an advocate of bringing them to the club. So in Willian's case, I think in an ideal world, we wouldn't have signed him and we wouldn't have brought him in on the contract that we did. But having done it now, I just want to see Mikel pick the side on merit. And not because he brought the player in, and and that's it for me. That's good enough for me. Yeah, but Harry, doesn't it worry you that you know there's there's similar there's, there's a theme here? Like we keep giving chances to these players that that are probably past it, and Mikel's guilty of that as well. And I know he's not he's not been there for a long time, but he he was the one that that extended David Luiz's contract, right? And he would have seen what what he did for the previous year. So, you know, these are players that 
you know, they're not they're not done in their career, but they're not going to offer you a whole lot. And he's the one that's, that's made that call. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. And like I said, I still I do think in hindsight it was a bad decision and it was a wrong signing. But what I'm I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that let you, every every manager is going to make a mistake. Uh, is going to make some mistakes, and and if you do make those mistakes, you just need to not be a slave to those mistakes for a period of time. You need to understand, yeah, acknowledge that. that you made the mistake, and just move on from it. Um, so that's that was that was kind of my point. But y- yeah, look, it is worrying that we're giving these players contracts. But Arsenal will turn around and say to you that although the term of the contract is three years, given it was a free transfer, it was a very low risk transfer. You know, it's not like the Nicolas Pepe one where we've committed to paying 72 million pounds worth um, for a player who, you know, has delivered in flashes, but hasn't been anywhere near consistent enough um, during his time with a club. Um, let's see what else you guys are saying in the live chat. Um, Fergus says, should we be starting with this more youthful lineup going forward? Emil Smith-Rowe showed how we have missed some creativity in the middle. Yeah. And I think going back to the point that, that I made earlier, I think it's about the fact that he can offer creativity, but he can also offer that work rate and that intensity so that Arsenal can play with the press and play on the front foot that some of our other alternative options um, don't necessarily have. Uh, big hello to Led to Led. Um, Man United fan here. Good result for Arsenal today. Love the show. Thank you very much for tuning in, mate. It is very much appreciated, even if you don't support the right team. Uh, but thank you for joining us anyway. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Alex McCarthy says, is Balogun leaving? He's liking Liverpool players' Instagrams and doesn't get a look in, even with nine subs. Look, Uh, and I'll come to you on this, Mike, I feel like there's an awful lot of hysteria around a player who shown a couple of flashes, but hasn't really done anything for Arsenal yet, has he? I mean, we've had players with better goal-scoring records in the youth system that didn't go on to make it. Um, Is this a whole... So is this reaction to the news that Balogun might be leaving a little bit overblown, in your opinion? Mm, yes and no. I think you you do make a good point. We haven't seen enough probably to to warrant the hysteria. But should we be letting a player like that leave? I mean, we should be trying our absolute hardest not to. Now, I'm sure we probably are, but it's a deal that needs to happen because he does have supreme talent, and you can just see the the, the teams that are sniffing around him. Um, and it, I know that obviously it's different circumstances in terms of. Um, how much they've offered for the for the first team, but you know there was these similar um, you know hysteria around Saka last season because again he was another highly rated player. Um, this contract was expiring. Like Borussia Dortmund were interested, and I just think as a general rule, you know, exciting young players don't let them go because it's a, you know you're going to lose in, in in any situation if, if you let them go. Um, you know, if he somehow does does turn out to be incredible, you're gonna you're gonna look back and and see. So there's, I don't, I don't for base, I don't think there's a negative to, to to tying him down to a new contract. But you know, he's not the next tier on Rui. Like, let's yeah. calm down about that. Yeah, agreed. And for me, people are talking a lot about him not being included, about him not um, playing, you know, or being a substitute. At the end of the day, if he hasn't committed his future to Arsenal. 
and he's not planning to, then why would you include him in the squad? Some will argue that actually by including him, you might persuade him that Arsenal's the place to be. But Fuller and Balligan's got a lot to prove before he warrants a place in the Arsenal starting lineup for me. Um, and I just feel like in an ideal world, I'd like to keep him. Of course I would, but I, I don't think that the hysteria is is warranted. I, I, what do you I really think don't. he has to do, Harry? More, more, you know, show more in the, in the Europa League, do you think? Go on loan, maybe? Well, yeah, possibly. I, I just think that I, I think he'd be given more opportunities if his contract situation wasn't the way it is. I think that you look at his contract situation and you worry because it, particularly if you're going to believe all the reports that he's talking to Liverpool and he's talking to other clubs abroad and that he's very interested in a move away, then you don't want players that are half interested in playing for your football club, do you? You you want yeah. a certain level of commitment. And and obviously, if he can't agree a contract with Arsenal, and I'm sure that the, the terms on the table are significantly better than the ones he's currently on. I have no doubt about that. But then that makes me think that if he's not willing to commit his future, then, you know, people talk about the club having a responsibility to tie him down and to keep him. Ultimately, it takes two to tango and both parties have to be interested in a future at Arsenal for him to have a future yeah. at Arsenal. And and if that's not 100% clear, if it's not 100% certain that he is going to stay at Arsenal and he wants to stay at Arsenal, then I can understand why Mikel was reluctant to use him. I, I really yeah, can. just ju- just on that for me, I mean, I look at how much graft our young players have had to get in to, to get a start in the, in the Premier League. Um, you know, Emma Smith Rowe has been on loan. He was uh, he was at Huddersfield, I think it was. Um, you know, Enketia has been out to Leeds. Um, Reese Nelson's been to Germany, and even then, like they've had limited op- opportunities. So for Balogun to you know play four games in the Europa League and say, "Oh, I want," apparently he wants more first team football. Um, you know, a guarantee of first team football. That's obviously wrong because you haven't shown us enough. You've not given us enough um, to to be able to warrant that. But Again, my my worry is that he suddenly becomes this superstar and we're like, shit, we had one there and we let him go. Yeah, there's always that, isn't there? There was always that risk. Uh, Vasilios says, are you Cypriots English? Yes, we are English. Yeah, Vasilios. Cypriots. (laughs) There you go. Mike busting out his his, uh, Greek. There you are. My five words, I know. (laughs) Um, Let's see what else you guys are saying in the live chat. Loads of... uh, comments uh, Mohammed on the Balogun thing says it's very short-sighted to let Balogun go for cheap without giving him a chance Liverpool gave Brewster a few starts and got more for him than we got for Martinelli the the Brewster thing is mad why do people use that as an example he's absolutely (laughs) shocking and Sheffield United have spent 25 million pounds on the guy he is shocking. He's a shambles of a footballer. Yeah, but it's great from Liverpool, though, isn't it? It's, it's fantastic business, them. yeah. So that's, what, that's what Mohammed's saying. It, it's excellent business from Liverpool. But, I mean, you've also, to do that, though, you've also got to find a stupid football club or a desperate football club that are going to yeah. go and spend that sort of money. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Tejas saying to the Chelsea fans to apologise now uh, because they've been mocking us a fair amount in the last few weeks. And, um, I think people are starting to realise that they are not uh, Premier League title contenders this season. I've maintained that from the beginning because of Frank Lampard. I, I just I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's up to it. Uh, Andreas in Cyprus says the problems with this club is the investment that they've made with Mustafi, Xhaka, Williams contract, Ozil's contract and Aubameyang. 
I, I don't know. I, I think some of those it, you can you can be it, you know you're right about some of them. Um, the Ozil contract, I think he brings the club, or he did before all this shit going on now, bring the club so much commercially that I don't think the contract was as draining on our finances as some people would have you believe. The Willian contract, not ideal, but again, um, as we spoke about, it's all, it's a free transfer, so there was very little risk in terms of that. Um, Mustafi, another one who's, yeah, it's not been great, but again, a bit like Granit Xhaka at times, I think he's he's been battered, sort of, um, you know, <laughs> a little bit more than he probably deserves as well. Uh, Alex McCarthy says, just curious, would anyone here object to Arsenal signing anyone big from the Chinese Super League? Mike, I'm assuming that this is leaning towards the whole Oscar thing. Um, Oscar being linked with a move to Arsenal and attacking midfielders. Apparently someone that um, Arsenal or that Willian and Lewis have been trying to persuade to join the club. We don't want Willian and Lewis doing our transfer business, they do. <laughs> don't need another one of them, do we? No, no, no more recommendations. No more mates of Edu. No more Kia Drabshan clients, please. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's see what else you guys are saying. Just scrolling through. Uh, Mario says, great win tonight. Unexpected for sure, but the narrative can't be about hard work. Yes, these players work rate is higher, but they are also better footballers than those they replaced. I think they bring something different to the team to the team, uh, a directness, an energy, um, a, a, a movement that we, we've been lacking. And, and I'd certainly agree. It's not just about the work rate. It's about using that work rate to good effect, getting into the right areas, having understandings on the football pitch, making things happen um, and unsettling their opponents. And I thought that all those players that came in did that really, really well today. Um Alan Nodwell says, guys, we need to keep a mix of youth and experienced players for the rest of the season. This is a really good point, Mike. And I was going to make this point yeah. um, that for me, we can talk a lot about these youngsters and how well they've done and the fact that they need to play more and more often. But you don't get anywhere with, with just kids, not at this day and age, not at the very top level. And there needs to be that blend of experience, doesn't it? But it has to be experienced players with the right attitude that that can help the young players grow through rather than the, the the prima donnas and the ones that feel that they have a divine right to start every single week because of their experience so th there does need to be a balance doesn't there yeah of course and I mean hopefully what this does do um you know them players on the sidelines the the, the Williams even even like someone like Pepe um who would have seen you know Martinelli and Emil Smith-Rowe Boston you know, having an end product as well, not just working hard as um as the previous guy said. Um, they they should see that, and it should put an absolute rocket up their ass and think, you know, these kids, these inexperienced kids who have uh, you know just like burst onto the scene are showing me up, and that's what it should do. Um, what we can't do is is be utterly reliant on these kids because they are young, they are inexperienced, and they won't be consistent. So for us to go out there and expect, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe to have a masterclass against Brighton and win us the game, realistically, it's not going to happen, is it? So fans can't be disappointed with that. And um, I think he deserves a start. But if he doesn't play to his full potential, it, it is what it is. And it's the responsibility 
of the senior players to be to be more consistent, and that's what Mikel has to sort out. Yeah, agreed. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Dan Price says, what does Xhaka starting today and his performance today mean for Gwenduzi? Surely Gwenduzi will feel even more unfairly treated that Xhaka has been given another chance. Is he now out the door? Dan, I think that the situation with Gwenduzi and Xhaka is very, very different. Gwenduzi has performed at times in an Arsenal shirt. And he's received a lot of credit for that when he's done so. He's also not performed at times. Granite Xhaka, you could say the same. At times he's performed, at times he hasn't. But the difference is that you've never heard any Arsenal manager complain about Granite Xhaka's attitude or application. He's very much one of the, the manager's favourites. He was under Wenger. He was even under Emery. And he is now under Mikel Arteta. I think the fact that he's got the right attitude, the fact that he seems to be a good trainer, a, a natural leader in the eyes of the people that work with him every single day on the training ground is why Granite Xhaka gets more opportunities than, than someone like Matteo Genduzzi. If you're not performing, but your your attitude is also letting you down, then it becomes more difficult, doesn't it, Mike, for the manager to to sort of overlook you know, the other elements to your game. Do you think I have a point there that Xhaka's attitude is better and that's why he gets more opportunities? And this is, has, this, is, this, this is what I said earlier. Xhaka... Say what you want about him. Say what you want about his um his performances. One thing you cannot say is that he's ever given up. You know, he was literally booed off the pitch by his own fans and the guy has still come back. He could have taken the, the easy option to leave. He didn't. He stayed, you know, to, to his credit. Um, with Guendouzi, I mean, I'm just sick of talking about the guy, to be honest. I just think he's he's a big talent, but he's done absolutely nothing to to, to back that up. Um, you know, a few good displays here and there. It was a new Emery favourite, but I never thought he was incredible. I thought he has good attributes, but again, you know, his ego is massive, way too big for for, for the talent he has. Um, he's doing well, and you know, if he comes back and 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 sorts out his his attitude, then fair play, he deserves another shot. But at at the moment, I don't think they're they're comparable in in any in any way whatsoever. You have one kid with, with a big ego who thinks he's a lot better than he is and you have one experienced international who has flaws but he you know he, I'm sure he's aware of them the manager's aware of them but as you said he's literally been picked by Emery Arteta and Wenger for literally like 99% of games so that's got to tell you something doesn't it 100% uh, let's take a couple more questions. We'll, we'll combine these two together. First comes from uh, Rahul, who says, is Pepe really playing up to his capabilities? The difference between Martinelli and Pepe was obvious. And then that leads me nicely on to Joseph's uh, question, where he says, thoughts on Nicolas Pepe, lads? Is it time to cut our losses or does he have a future? I've had a text from a mate um, whilst we were on this show saying that Pepe almost cost us the game today when he come on. I mean, and I've replied saying, I think that that's really, really harsh because I don't think that Nicolas Pepe almost cost us the game. I, I, I thought that Nicolas Pepe came on in the last 20 minutes or wherever it was to bring fresh legs, to be able to put people under pressure, to be able to to add a bit of energy and, and most importantly, to save Gabriel Martinelli's legs. And it's as simple as that for me. People would talk about Arsenal having problems down that side after Martinelli went off. Well, that was because Callum Hudson-Odoi, I thought, had a really good second half when he came on. I thought he really did well for Chelsea. I thought he got into key areas. 
but equally, you know, if your left back stays back and your left back doesn't get forward, then you know, we're not talking about Pepe so much, are we? I, I feel like it's a little bit harsh to pick on him today, given he only played a cameo role. Yeah, I mean, look, with, with Pepe, Harry, it's so frustrating. And I think I'm going to admit for, for the first time that if he doesn't prove himself, maybe not this season, but maybe next season, next January, I don't know, that would be probably have to be looking to, to move him on because we invested a lot and we're not getting much back and that guy's right I mean as in and it alludes to my point earlier like Pepe Martinelli's probably done more in two games than Pepe's done the entire season you know yeah. bar some some Europa League performances and it just it just shows you we're not getting banged for our buck so I desperately want Pepe to do well and I think he does have a lot of qualities you know, it's, it's 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 raw talent at the moment, though. That's what that's what you have to say. He's not produced it consistently. He doesn't look um, happy, though, Mike. Does he? He doesn't look happy. No, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just his demeanor. Maybe he's he's mm. one of them players that's a bit laid back. But we should have been looking at that when when we went to sign him. You know, that's the players like Martelli are the sort of players that we need. Busy players. You know, they're going to press. They're going to offer you some energy. Pepe's not that kind of guy. So. Look, I, I don't, I don't want to say that we need to sell him because I don't think we do at the moment. But when it gets to a stage where, you know, he's look, because let, let, let's be honest, Willian's starting ahead of him. He, he's he's ahead in the pecking order. So doesn't that tell you quite a lot? And I, I don't know. Would you, do you want, what? How long would you give him? Would you say if you could predict? It's hard to say. It is really hard to say. I, I, I like you. I think there's t there's talent there. There is talent there how you channel it out of him and how you get it out of him is the golden question. But equally, the player has to be willing to put the work in and put the effort in. And when I talk about his demeanour, um, he doesn't look happy to me. He doesn't look like he's someone who's enjoying his football. And he doesn't look like he particularly wants to be at a club. I accept there are players whose demeanours can be misleading. Mesut Ozil is a classic example of that, where people say he's, he's lazy because of the way he carries himself. And then you look at the stats and he's actually covered as much ground as anyone. So, I think that demeanours can be misleading, but I just don't see it with Nicolas Pepe. I just don't see him going on to become a top winger, a winger worth £72 million. I feel like maybe the club is not the right fit for him. We know that Unai Emery didn't want him in the first place. We know there were a lot of um, sort of back and forth discussions in the lead up to that deal being done. Arsenal weren't convinced. Um, not the players thought, of course, that he cost so much money. That was between Arsenal and Lille. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't see it working out and, you know, maybe it's still a little bit early to give up hope on him, but, you know, I can understand why some people have, um, there, there was just one comment that I saw that I wanted to pick up where we were talking about Genduzi or Bote says, what is Genduzi's offense? What attitude? Well, the attitude where he goes around a pitch telling other players that he earns more money than them when actually he doesn't. Um, and you know, there was countless incidents behind the scenes as well. It's been we we know that for a fact. We know that there were problems. Arteta does not like French players. Period. I com that is a, a completely ridiculous statement. Um, there is nothing to suggest that Mikel Arteta doesn't like French players. So I don't know where you've got that from. In fact, Mikel Arteta played football in France with Paris Saint Germain. In fact, Mikel Arteta made a conscious effort to learn the French language. He speaks French. Yeah. He speaks it fluently. He stands on the touchline. And he gives Nicolas Pepe specific instructions in French. If he was not interested in him because 
he's French. First of all, he's not French anyway. He's Ivorian. But anyway, um, but if it was because he didn't like French speaking players, let's say, then I don't think that he would have gone to the effort to learn the language. I don't think he would put that into practice. And I don't think he'd go to that additional effort to try and make Nicolas Pepe feel at home and at ease. So I don't know where that's come from. I think it's a nonsense comment. I'm I'm sorry. I just, I just don't like it. Harry's lost it. Uh, I've lost my head. I've lost my head. <laughs> right. Um, that brings us to the end of the show, guys. We've been going for an hour, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, thank you all for your interaction in the live chat box. It's been brilliant. Um, don't forget to smash the like button on the video if you haven't already. Let's quickly check in and see where we're at in terms of likes. I know I keep banging on about it, but it is important. And it has been working for us. So that's why I keep banging on about it. Uh, there's over 500 of you watching us across the multiple platforms at the moment, but we've only got 142 likes. So let's get it up to 200. Come on, smash the like button if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you're listening via the audio platforms, leave us a review. Check out 90 Min. Give them a follow. Uh, give Mike a follow on Twitter at Mike underscore Stavry. You can see that on your screens as well. And we're going to be back on what I've lost track of the days with Christmas uh, Sunday tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday uh, with some more uh, Arsenal related content. So do come and join us for that. Um, thank you once again for all your well wishes. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas with your families. Um, and uh, until next time, take care, stay safe and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.